and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have become real to us because we believe that that helps us draw more power out of them, and we need all the help we can get. I'm your host, Kerry Mulstein, and this is a short cast, and this will, in fact, be a very short, short cast as we just uh, cover a couple of little items from Matthew chapter 6 and 7, the second part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'll just say to begin with, I don't know why I meant to release the podcast episode we had last week. Um, with Roger Hoffman and Consider the Lilies of the Fields. Uh, I meant to do that this week. I was just so excited about it. I accidentally did it a week early as a kind of brain cramp. Sorry about that, but it was still, hopefully you enjoyed it just on the wrong week, but was such a fantastic interview, uh, just beautiful things that uh, he was able to tell us. And what a beautiful song. I've been listening to people tell stories this week about um, miracles in their lives from that song, and it's it's wonderful. I just want to look a little bit at, uh, very briefly, at, at one issue that we see in 6 and 7, and then a little bit more, but still pretty briefly in, in chapter 7. We're going to talk about uh, true worship rather than uh, false worship or, or uh, worship without pure intent, and then we're going to talk about what it means to judge. So, one of the themes that we developed when we did uh, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount with Matthew chapter 5 and the Beatitudes with Jan Martin, we started to talk about this uh, sermon focusing on this being a gospel of becoming. This really is uh, our gospel, as President Oaks has said, is a gospel of becoming. It's all about us becoming more like Christ. And so we're going to see that here in the Sermon on the Mount. If we were to go back to Jeremiah chapter 32, when Jeremiah talks about Christ establishing a new covenant, he talks about it being a covenant that will be written in our heart, or about the, the commandments that being written in our heart and so on. And that's really what this is about. It's not about the actions, and that's what the law of Moses was always about. A any pronouncement of the gospel has always been about that, just sometimes people lost sight of that. Uh, so the Savior made it all the more clear that this is really about what you are becoming. And so it matters, uh, your intents matter as to what, uh, going through the same actions, what you will become based off of the intent as you go through those actions. So if you are um, trying to uh, make people think that you're wonderful, if that's your intent, and you give alms or you take care of the poor, or you pray, uh, or you fast, and you're doing it so that people will think you're wonderful. That's why he says you'll have your reward. Uh, so people will think you're wonderful. You won't actually be wonderful. You will have become something else. You'll become self-centered or narcissistic. Um, but you will have done that and gotten your reward of people thinking highly of you. But if you're doing it because you love God and you love others, then you become more godly. And that's really what this is about. So look for that theme throughout everything in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the idea behind uh, everything that the Lord gives them and every way that he explains things as he goes through. I just want to spend a few minutes on the beginning of chapter 7. Famously, it says, judge not that you be not judged. And People typically take that to say you can't think uh, or, or try and say anything about why people do something or if they're good or bad or something along those lines. And, of course, there is an element that we should keep in mind with that. Until you really know what's going on with someone, you can't understand their uh, 
why they're doing what they're doing or what they're doing and so on. I think that uh, it was uh, Elder Oaks who once said uh, that in a, in a great talk uh, that was called something like uh, judging and final judgment or something like that. And he said that to be the final judge, like God is, there's only one requirement, and that's to be omniscient, right? Once you actually know everything, then maybe you can do that kind of judging. Um, and we should note that Joseph Smith says, uh, he gives this in a Joseph Smith translation, uh, judge not unrighteously. So we're going to come back to that. But I want us to look at the phrase judge differently. If you've been with this podcast over last year, as we talked about the Old Testament, you will remember that I have tried to explain how the phrase judge was used. So when it, when it's uh, a person, it's it's a leader not a judicial judge, but the idea of judgment or judging is a much larger concept than we usually think of. When we hear it, we think of judicial things or uh, coming out and, and thinking poorly of someone or something along those lines. We think of punishment and scales and balances and so on. Scales and balances may not be a bad way of looking at this, but not in the way we usually do, because the phrase or the term to judge really means to make things right. It's similar to the component or the idea that we get, say, in in uh, Egypt, ma'at, making everything in the correct order, correct cosmic order, social order, uh, physical order, judicial order, whatever, societal order. Um, it's pono in, in Hawaiian. This is a concept that's in a lot of uh, cultures. And the idea is that you're just going to make things the way they should be. And so uh, we want things to be uh, we, we, I've talked uh, sometimes about uh, making things uh, – the ultimate final judgment will be making things celestial. Um, but right now we're trying to get things to be almost like paradisaical or, or uh, we want it to be even better than paradisaical. But we want to get things to that point where everyone is okay and everything is okay. And so there are times where that will um, – entail a kind of punishment and that's usually because someone has done something to someone else and the only way to write it so if someone is oppressing someone else and god want asks them to quit oppressing they don't so god has to come out and remove the oppressor and that will take a form of punishment right but the focus is on making things right so often judgment will be humbling someone who is not turning to god and so God will humble them so they will turn to him because when they have turned to him, then things are the way they should be. That's making things right. The way that it's used most often in the Old Testament is in terms of taking care of those who can't take care of themselves. The widow, the orphan, the poor, the foreigner uh, who doesn't have any land and, and some rights and so on. You're supposed to, for people who it's just not right, things aren't right that they can't take care of themselves and they don't have what they need, you're supposed to take care of them. So most often that takes the form of um, making sure they have food, making sure they have clothing, making sure they have a place to live. Uh, it can take the form of visiting those who are in prison or visiting the sick and mourning with those who mourn. Those are all forms of making things right. Uh, there is a form of, okay, you come to uh, a leader and you say, this person took this from me and 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 the, it's judged that that was wrong and it gets given back to you. Um, so it's really making things right. And one of the biggest complaints in the Old Testament from the prophets is that the leaders are not judging righteously, meaning 
that they're not taking care of the poor the way they should. Rather, they're using the resources that they've been given to take care of the poor to instead enrich or aggrandize themselves. And that's an unrighteous judgment to take advantage of the poor, um, to not help them, to not use your resources to help them, to not use other people's resources to help them. And to, to sometimes uh, we even find them uh, taking advantage of them in various ways uh, by making them work but not paying them or and so on and so on. That's an unrighteous judgment. Now, I don't know that I can say with 100% surety that that is how Christ is intending this when he says, judge not that ye be not judged, but I think so. And of course, we only have the Greek version of what he's saying, but he didn't speak in Greek, so we'd have to look at the Aramaic version, and maybe he's not using the words, uh, the word that I would think he, he was, but I would be really shocked if he wasn't, and I would be really, really shocked if his audience, who is coming from this Old Testament background, wouldn't understand it the way that they were taught to understand it by reading the prophets and the Torah, and so at least his his immediate audience would have understood it this way, and I think we should as well. That's my opinion, that when he says, judge not or judge not unrighteously, that ye be not judged, he is saying, don't avoid taking care of things. Don't avoid making things right. You have an obligation to make things right, to go out and and take care of people, to um, to also judge, so part of this would be to discern, uh, this person will be a problem for my children. This person will be a problem for me. And so I have to act uh, in order to make things right rather than allowing them to make things wrong, right? We can't let them oppress us, oppress us uh, financially, physically, emotionally. We can't uh, let them oppress us by convincing us to sin or diminishing our faith. Right. All of that is a form of oppression that we should not allow, uh, whether it be for us or for others. And so that's part of a righteous judgment. And uh, and some we just take this phrase and go so crazy with it, especially in our society today. And I just want to end that idea. Um, it can't be it's not that you can't look at someone and say that's not a, a, a moral or wise or righteous action. In fact, I think understanding it correctly requires that we do look and say that. It doesn't mean we say we know what's going on in that person's heart. We don't. And that's the key. We have to, to remember, remind ourselves we don't know what's going on in their heart. We, don't, we haven't walked in their shoes. Um, we are going to love them no matter what, but we have to make things right. And so part of that would actually be recognizing what you're doing is not good for you. I not only want to help people who can't take care of themselves physically, so they they aren't able to clothe themselves, they're not able to to feed themselves, and so on. But I want to to do that with people um, who are spiritually not feeding themselves or taking care of themselves. I think that's part of a righteous judgment, and so uh, we want to to do these things the right way, so that uh, when we will then have God do it for us. If we are judged, meaning or when we judge, if we do it as in we're trying to help people and make things right, then God will make things right for us. That's something I think we all want. And that's something I hope we can achieve. Uh, it will be given to us by God, but hopefully we are anxiously engaged in trying to make things right for everyone around us, acting out of charity, a love for God, and for all mankind. 
and that will inevitably make us become what we need to become and help us to judge a righteous judgment. 